Welcome back to the So Wizards podcast. I am Kevin Broom, along with my co-host, Ron Oaks Cunningham. And today we are going to talk, shockingly, wizards. And we are going to talk coaching and other stuff, whatever else pops into mind. So, um, Ron, you really wanted to talk about coaching today. So uh, tee it up. What's on right. your mind? So um, obviously the past week we've been without Wes, right? And some very gut-wrenching losses, you know, like uh, we, we, we snuck out a win against Philadelphia. I guess we caught them in a trap game. We can, you know, that's not sustainable. Joel Embiid is uh, at another level. So you could, you could look at it like, oh, well, you know, Blair beat Doc. Maybe that would inspire and rally the troops to, you know, to continue playing, I guess, like with that type of edge. It didn't quite work out against Brooklyn. Uh, nor did it work out against Toronto. And logging onto Twitter, um, which I do occasionally just to see the tenor of other folks, like see like what's going on, like what are other people saying, what am I missing out on? Um, it seemed to be that a lot of folks thought that if Wes Onso was coaching, was manning the sidelines, the result would have been different, i.e. rotations would have been different. Maybe he would have called timeouts. He would have set up players to be in better positions. And I just don't see it because I haven't seen it all year. Like outside of the uh, 10 and 3 start. And then the, um, I think that now it's 8 and 8 over the past 16. We were probably 8 and 6. And then we, we dropped 2. Um, we dropped 2. So I, I, haven't, I haven't really seen it myself. And it begs the question. And I, and I hate doing this, right, because – we always put the blame on coaches. But in the NBA, out of most sports, maybe like football, international football, uh, coaches matter because they have the potential and power to get 12 to 15 guys to buy into you, like one common goal. And if your coach can't do that, then your team, for lack of better word, is fucked. It's screwed over. And um, I'm starting to see those cracks like within the wizard structure uh i i don't think the players are buying in under west and i have my reasons for why and that that's just why i wanted to talk about coaching as we're officially into the second half of the season yeah i i agree with some of that um in the sense that the, the coach definitely sets a tone of trying to get guys to buy in um i in some cases i think it's trying to get guys to um, buy into a common goal i think in other cases it's a case of trying to get players to align their individual goals with the team or aligning the team goals with the players, individual goals. And for a lot of these guys, you know, money is going to be the factor, which it should be. It is a business. And these guys, they, they have short careers and a limited opportunity to make a lot of money. And for, you know, you, we think about the, the guys who get the headlines for the amount of money they make are folks like Beal who are going to get the, the maximum salaries. Right. But most players don't get that. And yes. so they're all playing for that next contract and hoping that they can get a piece of that generational wealth. Um, you know, so that's part of it. But the other factor, though, is that the coaches. So, so that's one thing is getting get players to buy in. The second thing that coaches do is they can just get their best players on the floor more. Um, so, you know, Wes did a press conference where he talked about um, they're playing 11 man rotation out of necessity. I, th that doesn't, what he said didn't make a lot of sense to me, but that's, that's what he's talking about. And so, so that's, an, that's another factor. It's just 
having the best players on the floor because players over time tend to kind of do what they've always done. You know, yeah. you get ups and downs, of course, but over time they, they are who they are. And that's been true when players get traded, um, when players sign as free agents and go elsewhere. It's like a lot of times the players, most of the time, in fact, the players are who they are. And um, they don't change radically change their levels of production in various statistical categories and how they go about playing all that kind of stuff based on the new team. It's it's really interesting actually how how little the the players change from team to team. There are exceptions, of course. There are always exceptions, and um, you know when players change roles, like if you get a guy like James Harden, for example, um, Harden changed in, in volume more so than how he went about playing. But that's kind of the point. Like when you go from being like a six man to a starter and first option, obviously your numbers are going to change in that, that instance. But there aren't that many guys who uh, do that and who are really capable of that. So, so, so one is the goals. Two is just aligning the players, getting the players out there. Um, and then I think probably the, the third thing that they do is really, um, you know, the, the, the X's and O's. And the reason I say third, and that's like way down the list for me, is because, you know, everybody on the NBA bench is competent doing X's and O's. You know, maybe not creative, but everybody knows horns. Everybody knows flex. Everybody knows motion. Everybody knows pick and roll, spain pick and roll, short roll. You know, in terms of like offensive concepts, defensively, everybody knows how to how to put together a two three zone or a one three one or a three two or you know whatever you whatever you want, whatever your flavor. You, you can organize a box in one, um, uh, you know, triangle in two. You know, th- there's lots of things. That, and my point being, everybody coaching in the NBA, whether you're an assistant coach or a head coach, knows how to do that. Dean Oliver, who is a stats guy, surely can go and draw these things up and, you know, come up with some clever designs and call a play that they've practiced, you know, a sidelines out of bounds, a last second quick hitter. They've got plays. They've practiced all those, right? Th- those are in the playbook. And, there's not a whole lot of differentiation that comes in the NBA from X's and O's. Um, so, like I said, that's the third thing down. And, you know, the biggest factor that affects coaching and the quality of coaching is, of course, the quality of the players. And, um, you know, when you look at the Wizards, that, I mean, we, it's a point I've made a bunch of times. They're, they're, they've got, like, one really good guy and mm-hmm. when he's playing to his full capability. And, well, to to the level he's played over the last eight, five years, I'm talking about Beal, and then everybody else is basically kind of mid level or below, and that's that's a little more challenging for a coach, but you know that that's the job Unsell signed up for. Yeah, that's the thing, right? Like, so even if they're mid level, you're still like you still have a pool out of some of the best players currently in the world. Um, you know, so at the at this particular time. So nevertheless, it's like I agree with you. Like the X's and O's, they all are competent at it. Like players know what to do. But I mean, I I look at it a little more nuanced. Like in a sense, in an open court, like after a miss, it's easy for these players to play basketball. Like it's simple. Whoever's ahead, give them the ball. Or if you feel like you can pull up, shoot three. The only real issue is uh, how do you do the X's and O's in the mid court? like against another defense that's set up to try to like thwart your best player. And that's when theoretically coaching should matter most if it's all about putting you in the best positions to succeed. 
Now, again, uh, common with conventional wisdom, rather, is that you have more talent. Um, you're going to be able to throw more options at defenses because, you know, if he blitz Brad and he's swinging it over to, you know, the all-star forward we have, you're going to think twice about your – you're going to switch up your defense in terms of uh, blitz and Brad or vice versa. If we can uh, throw it down to a big man who's very great at getting into – you know, dangerous areas into that like paint restricted area and getting up a great shot, then it looks good as well. But okay, we don't have that, right? So then you have to judge it on what does like what do we have and what can the coach build with it. That old saying, uh, if you have lemons, make lemonade. And we are doing it. And two reasons stick out to me immediately. Like one, we have a hierarchy struck, like a hierarchy tension within a team. Like if you think back to that great start, that 10 and three start, that was Trezzle. I know it's like Trez, like the L is silent, but I'm going to call him Trezzle. <coughs> his, his mom put an L on the end of his name, you know, like the common English usage, you, you're going to put Trezzle. So you look at Trezzle, NCAA champion. So he's won before. Um, uh, he's been an underdog with James Harden and, you know, came up with that, but got to LA. He's won, he's won a six man award. I, I think, uh, he's the only wizard who actually has taken home an NBA award prior to Bill making uh 13 all, all NBA this, this past season. Right. So in his eyes, even if not shared by our ocular vision in his eyes, he's a fucking star. Like in his eyes. So it's like, you know, if you go back to his comments with uh, on Athletic with Josh, like, is it Robbins or whatever the guy who, who now writes for the Wizards, uh, Trezor, he made it clear. He's like, we're not asking to play one-on-one, clear out, give us the ball all the time. However, like, let us touch it. Like, let us feel it. Like, you know, we're just getting a rebound, giving it to the guards, and then the shot's going up. I didn't really take that as – um, his comments, like, I didn't read too much into it as Brad, but who are the players the minute they get the ball at the guard level that they get the shot up? KCP, mm-hmm. hence why they squabble, hence why they got in the scuffle. Neto, uh, Neto gets them shots up, and, and I get it. Like, like Aaron Holiday gets them shots up. Spencer Dinwiddie gets the shots up. Brad, Spencer passes, but it does seem like when he's on the bench, like when he's playing with the bench players, it's his time because he defers when he's out there with, with Bradley Bill. So mm-hmm. on that level, you already have tension, right? And then with the guards themselves, like, they're looking at it like, okay, well, you're just asking me to stay in the corner. I can do more. See, Kuzma, and he's back to slashing now that he's able to play with, like, a little bit more freedom. And when you have all of these moving parts, maybe two people can be successful, but the other, what, nine of the rotation – are like nine out of 11 of the rotation are less successful than, than the others. And again, agree with you. It comes all back to money. If I'm not successful and my goal is to get money to get a big paycheck, I'm looking at two people. I'm looking at either the players, none of them could come for the quote unquote King. You can't come for Brad. You'll, you'll get shipped up out of here. You know, like he, he's the, he's the King piece in this whole puzzle. So you come for the coaching. The coach doesn't know how to, to draw up systems um, that makes everyone successful. And even, I think, um, 
Dimwitty phrased it as a equal opportunity offense. I call those things that make America great again offense, where everyone wants to like, oh, you just want to complain. I want this. I want that. So system ball, i.e. make America great offense uh, versus ISO will be like the common like war throughout the rest of the history of the NBA when we don't even need to look at it that way or we're looking at it the wrong way. What we need to look at it is can a coach draw up plays to get, uh, I guess, like some of the guys who need shots, shots and, and settings outside of the, uh, like after a missed shot. Like, can we draw up stuff to get it done in a half court? And I mean, I'm interested to see what you say, to hear what you say, but I don't think Wes can do it. The horns isn't working. Um, we only have one guy who can set good screens. <laughs> or oh, even set a screen. Like Trezel, Trez, he, he does – He'll set a screen, but before the player connect, he's already running down to the the post looking for, you know, the easy catch, depending on his first team on hustle. Therefore, not allowing the screen to work the way it does. But in my view, I think only Thomas Bryan is the best, is a good screener on the team, right? But he's coming off of, uh, he's coming off a knee injury. He can't defend. His shot, I mean, I guess like, you know, you open up the shot, you, you force the big man away, allow for other people to drive. Just hasn't happened yet. So um, to end this, like to end this tangent, I, I just think um, I, I don't see our coaches putting our players in positions to succeed when we need the most. And that's in a half court or when the game has been mucked up and you need to go get a bucket. We just haven't done it. And, you know, after six months, you know, you get a review. and Everyone else at their job gets a review after six months or at the halfway point. And at the halfway point, this staff is failing. Hmm. Hmm. I don't know if I would go that far. Um, I do think that there are some things that they could do. And some of them are really basic. I mean, there's like, you know, we talk about the players and, um, you know, ultimately you're kind of limited by the level of player. But that said, there are some things that the Wizards do that are, in terms of like execution, that I think that they could, they could use some teaching and some some coaching on how to do these things better. And if they could execute those things better, maybe the players um, aren't don't remain as um, how shall I say this um, as average. Maybe they go up a little bit in, in terms of what they're doing. And so it's little things like I mean, you, you mentioned like Thomas Bryant and screens and screening and how he's like the only guy. I mean, when he came in, his first minutes on the floor, he is setting a screen, a rescreen, you know, doing things that. I mean, we haven't seen since since last season, you know, where he's he's doing things offensively that nobody else is doing. He's actually making contact on screens. Now, I understand that the coaches teach slip screens, you know, slipping the screens and that kind of stuff. But there needs to be some variety. If you do any one thing all the time, the other the other opponent gets used to it and uh, then they adapt to it. So if you slip a screen every single time, which the Wizards were doing for a period of like six weeks, it's deep. Mm-hmm. The opponents are just going to wait for the big man to 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 slip, you know, to get out of the way, and then go ahead and recover to demand. It's like you're, you're, there's no point in even setting the screen, right? Um, yeah. But on, then on top of that, you've got like the the ball handlers in like pick and roll are oftentimes not setting up the screens properly. Like a big man will go and set a screen, and even if he wants to make contact, you know, you're getting these ball handlers who are not doing basic things like you take a step in, like 
as if you're rejecting the screen and then you cut back the other way, right? So a little piece of misdirection. So that, and then when you're coming off the screen, rather than leaving daylight, you know, a lot of times these guys will take the screen and then they just drive past and they're leaving, like I'm holding my feet, my hands, like three feet apart. Um, you know, they, they leave this daylight between them and the screens. And so it's really easy for the defender to shoot that gap and stay with the man, right? Don't have to play under, you just shoot it. Um, you don't even have to chase them over. Whereas if you go off the screen where you, there's no daylight, where you're brushing against that screen, can't shoot that gap. If you do, it's a foul, right? And then, uh, so you're either chasing over, which puts the defense at a disadvantage, or you have to go under, which puts the defense at a, at a disadvantage, or you have to like claw through, which also puts you at a disadvantage. So the point being that if you set and use the screens properly, you create advantage for the offense. And that's something that the Wizards yeah. don't do. But, but also a part of that, like a component of screen. So like one of my best buddies, um, we run a two-man game. This is this guy named Will. He's a, a patent attorney down in San Jose, but he used to be in San Diego. Um, he sets the screen. We're cooking because he really wants to free me up. Um, I want to get into the paint, look for him. If you don't come up, you're doing it. We have that chemistry um, built on the court, on court chemistry, but also we're real life friends. So mm-hmm. it's like he's really doing it to help me. And I reject most screens because uh, as I yelled to a guy um, this past Friday, I was like, there's a difference between real hoopers and screen hoopers, which there, are, there is. Like, you know, some people can't, can't get a bucket unless they, they need help with it. But nevertheless, uh, I bring that up. Okay, fair enough. That's you. I, I raised my hand for the folks at home. I raised my hand when Ron said that. Uh, Come on, I, but, but there's a difference. I told this kid, Noah, I actually made him fall too. And I have a very mediocre crossover. So uh, I, I'll always remember him. He's like the fifth body on that list of uh, people who, fall, who fell from this mediocre crossover. But nevertheless, the point is um, a part of screening has to deal with like the relationship you have with the player. Like, am I also, like, if I'm screening for you, am I also going to receive the ball? Are you going to make the right decision? Are you going to knock it down? Because no one wants to screen for someone they don't like. Because in a sense, why am I helping you? You aren't helping me. Like, we're all self-interested. You have to be when you're chasing money, which these players are. You have to put the interest of, of yourself first because, some, you know, that collective business, someone's still going to be the odd man out. See, like, Raul Neto from last year. Phenomenal. Played phenomenal. Played way better than Davis Bertans. One is on a minimum. One's getting $15 million a year. So, like, these psychological implications of, like, the real-life aspect of basketball are in play. So, when Trezor sat in the screen for, like, Dinwiddie, Aaron Holiday, maybe he's not setting it as, uh, you know, strong or sturdy, or even like looking to to put Holiday in advantage or Dinwiddie in advantage because he just doesn't like mesh with them on the court. But even you see it with Bill sometimes. So I I don't know how his relationship is with Bill, but I won I don't think it's at the same rate it was during the ten and three start. But more to the point, it it gets back to how I I view it. It's like coaching. We can't change the players. Like you know you 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 buy in, you you put the roster out after the draft and during free agency. So for at least for a year, we have to work with what we have. We can make some trades, but, you know, as you know, more than, more than most implications on the trade, 
how much money needs to come back in, how much money needs to go out, the picks we can do. It's a complicated process, right? So for the most part, we're stuck with, uh, with what we had minus like a couple of additions or bringing some in. And that goes back to uh, the coaching. When you get that roster, you should know what one through 15, what they're good at on the court, how you can use them to your advantage, how do you see them playing into your system. Then you derive a system from that. For most coaches, I take it, they implement the same system that they've used years and years and years ago and try to like make mold the players into that system instead of uh, the, like creating a system around the players. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's where I think uh, coaching truly matters. Like, for example, we, we have, we've had great coaches in the NBA. We've had Pop. We've had uh, Phil Jackson. Um, I won't say Steve Kerr is a great coach because uh, we saw what um, we saw what um, Luke Walton looked like and Mike Brown looked like with those same talent. So that's more to your point about talent will always be the you know underlying denominator in terms of who's going to win. Mm-hmm. But for everyone else, because only one team wins a title, only two teams get to that stage. So out of the thirty teams, twenty eight, you're not going to have a shot. You may have a shot, but you don't have as as uh, big of a like as close of enough shot to get to the finals as everyone else. So you're still tasked with putting together something sustainable, mm-hmm. entertaining, and hopeful that allows you to build upon it. And Wes hasn't done that. Like we're waiting on. Well, let's see if we can strip off some of this mid to get a fairly uh, better player, marginally better player, because you know. Two of our players can put up the numbers of Sabonis. Is that really a star? To me, a star is like you need three folks to do what I do. Like in my opinion, that, that, but that's just my my metric. So, or or if we get Grant, it's like uh, you know, can Rui and Denny ultimately become what Grant can do? Perhaps. Like I mean, he's he's been in the league a bit. You know, like uh, these yeah, kids are- with, with that one in particular, it's like if, if I think like Denny, for example is probably, you know, two, three years away from what Grant is doing now, right? I agree. I agree. Um, With Hachimura, it's probably about the same timeline. And so it's like with with the Wizards, they're in this like win now, which they kind of need to be because they're committed to Beal. Beal's 28 and you need to be committed, right? So (laughs) I I could see sending one of them off uh, in a deal for, for Grant just because that's... I mean, the Wizards, they, they have their nonsensical goals. But, and um, so but then, you might as well go all in chasing them if that's what you're going to do. You know? Yeah, but to me, chasing players, like, I, I think that's more an, an indictment on the limitations of the coaches, right? And here's why I say that, because there there are two ways. Like, there are some great, like, um, what's the dude down in Miami? I'm drawing a blank. Spolstra? Spolstra yeah. is a great coach. When he's tasked with, like, hey, this is a championship contending team, he got there. Like, he maximized that window. You only got two rings, but you got to the finals four times. Post that, that uh, Jimmy Butler, Bam team, they they were looking at it as being a piece of weight. They set that up to be, like, good, like, free agent players um, when the market opened up. And Spolster still coaching them boys up, still getting them into positions – uh, to have some success, right? So mm-hmm. that that's a good coach who did it with the talent inf- mm-hmm. influ- infusion as well as 
playing with the hands, like the deck of cards he was given, right? West, you're basically saying you cannot do it with the deck of, uh, you cannot do it with the hand that was dealt to you. We need to get you better pieces. If you need better pieces, what's the next excuse? Oh, we need a, we need a go-to center. How are we going to get that? Oh, and then once we have, have that, what's the next excuse? Oh, we need a new guard. So you have to create the most perfect team for him to have success. No, that shouldn't be what a coach is about. It should be, again, you have this group of 12 to 15 players. You call it until, uh, I don't know, maybe a rotation of eight or nine. I think most play most teams do about eight or nine. And then you see how those eight and nine can present the best way possible for you to win games and to have some success. We haven't seen it. Yeah. We just haven't seen it. Like even yeah. Bill, even Bill talks about, well, you know, in my heart, I'm a killer, but I'm being asked to do this, that, boom, boom, boom. I just don't think the guy and and his staff has what it takes to create a system that one players want to play in, and then two, um, that is conducive to winning basketball. Again, it's one it's one thing to be an assistant coach and you're only tasked with defense. You're allowed to master more stuff. Like right, if you only focus on one thing, you get to master it. So defense. He may have mastered the defensive part of basketball, perhaps. But even with that, you still have to take into consideration, you know, we had a point guard who needs, just can't do it. He can't, he can't ambulate on the, uh, on the court as well. Um, we have, you know, Bill, I know that first team defense stuff was, I like to, I like to talk, but we throw that out the window. So can't do that, but you can't hide them because, you know, the guys you need to defend for him, they can't do it. Trezzle, as much as he gives, not many people can cook him, but I feel like if more teams put a forward on him, yeah, sure, we'll give up the inside stuff, but we're going to cook you. We're going to work you and tire you down because he can't keep up with the speed of uh, players, his height. Yeah, like, He only can go against the bigger guys. And so – all of these things like trickle down and then yet you're trying to implement a system not geared towards um, your players' attributes and trying to plug them in into, into doing something that they're not quite capable of to me is asinine and it's an indictment on uh, the coaching staff. You're not putting these boys into success. Yeah, right? I, I mean, that could be. I, it, it is worth mentioning that Wes is a first-year head coach. This is Oh, there we go. Oh, that's the excuse. Like no, it's not an excuse. Wrong. It's just an acknowledgement. I mean, it's like anything else. I mean, he's he's like, a rookie, right? Indiana got rid of that coach after one. They was like, this guy can't do it. He can't yeah. control the locker room. I don't, that's that's common around the NBA. Like, hey, if you can't do it, we're not even going to waste another year with this. Like, you're going to get up out of there. Well, this I is don't, this is one of the problems with hiring uh, somebody named Unsell. Yeah, nepotism. Yeah. Well, the nepotism, but I was going to say that firing him after one season would be a, an absolute PR disaster for the team. It would piss off a lot of people. But that said, I don't think Wes is doing necessarily a bad job. I just think he hasn't really distinguished himself as a quality head coach yet. And I think it may take him, you know, this is his first head coaching job. And like a lot of guys, you know, like a lot of things, he's essentially a developmental player, right? He needs to um, – develop as a head coach and he 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 needs to do that i mean spolster had to do that too uh, pop had to do that but they but they got they brought had, into different situations though yeah like that's you, true and one of the things with pop to your point about um putting together a system 
um, is pop changed the Spurs many times. I mean, the, the Spurs were a slow walk it up. Um, yeah. you know, their defense never changed, but their in terms of how they executed, but their offense changed constantly. I mean, they had that one team that they, they were like the beautiful game. They were, you know, bang, bang, the ball moving and, and players moving yeah. and, you know, he incorporated all these like international um, plays and styles into yeah. this, like the Spurs thing. And then when the players changed, he changed it again, you know? Yeah. So um, there is cool. that. And then um, you think about like Phil Jackson, I mean, he's most famous for the triangle, but for a long time, I mean, he ran flex. He ran a, a lot of different offenses. He, he preferred flex um, earlier in his, you know, throughout uh, most of his coaching career. When he came to the Bulls, in fact, he, he started with flex and then switched to triangle. Um, and then Phil actually made the point that you made that, is that there are, there are system guys and there are ISO guys. Um, you know, Phil did it in racist terms because he's got that little strain of racism that goes through him. But um, basically for, for Phil, the system guys are white guys. He, he would say those are white players. And then the black players are the ISO players. Like I say, I some, quite, quite racist. It, it's only racist because he used black and white. Like some of it, like, yeah, I mean, I've seen it. some white guys who are ISO hoopers, like straight yeah, up, yeah. give me the ball. But more often than not, they tend to be like black players. Like we, we get out of my way. I don't need that system. I don't know. There's, we, there's, we like it hard on ourselves. We like doing the hard stuff. There's plenty of, of black players who are system guys and white players who are, who are ISO guys that, you know, is Larry Bird a system guy? Is Kevin McHale a system guy? Yeah. Nah, like Kevin McHale may be a system guy, but Larry Bird, no. Like Larry Bird, no. He is a system. Larry Bird wasn't either. Like even on our team. We have I mean, two. Kispert is. Kispert's so a system KCP. guy. Bertans is a system guy. Those KCP. Yeah, KCP. 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 He wants KCP. to be an ISO guy. Want, yeah, he wants to be like uh, LeBron. LA has ruined him. He doesn't know who he is. Like it, it seems like he he's forgotten who he who he is. Like in Detroit, give me the ball. I'm gonna go do me. I'm a scorer. I'm a shooting guard. I'm a six five. Six five shooting guard, get out of my way. LeBron turned him to a DN three guy, and you know yeah. again because of coaching. I guess Wes has him as a three a three and D guy, and he's like, nah, fuck that. Like I'm I'm gonna do me. My best friends on the team. Who's gonna tell me anything? Because right. he's not playing a system role with us. He's doing whatever, whatever he wants. He does. He does. He tries to break out of it, and when he does, it's not very good. But he, no, I'm, I'm talking about what he is is a system player. No, I'm I'm with you. I I think like he's at his best as a system as a system player. But if he feels he can do more, and and then again, this this goes back to um like so Phil and to the point like you were talking about how Cop he he evolutionized like he revolutionized his his offensive system, and that Kawhi injury when uh, Zaza put him out like that sucks like that that could have been his greatest ring because yep. I do think the Spurs take down. Golden State. I do think they were the, the biggest threats. Yeah, to, might have. Yeah, up, up 20, just dominant. Because Kawhi and Kevin, I've, I've seen Kevin give Kawhi 50. And then it's the only person I've seen, like, cook Kawhi. But Kevin gave Kawhi 50. Kawhi wouldn't give you 40 right back. Right. You know what I mean? And then you have all the other pieces there. That would have been a great series that we got robbed of. But nevertheless, that's the greatness of Pop. I see what I have. I need to, de like, design something that will put these types of players 
this crop of players into their best possible position. Wes Unsell Jr. is just running traditional system, plugging and pulling. The same role he had in LeBron, like that he played at, in the Lakers with LeBron James. Okay, in the three. The only we need to just see the sky hook he used to have. Nevertheless, back to that point. It's just um, I, I've been looking at it for half a season. Even when we were winning games in the beginning of the year, it was predicated on Trezel uh, doing things that none of us thought he could do, like dominating, being the best player on the court. Um, at least out of those like twelve out of those first thirteen games, he was the best player on the court. And then other players, I don't know, like maybe start feeling some type of way, or at least he'll, he'll at least start feeling some type of way because he started complaining about not getting the ball, not getting the touches, um, leaks about it being an offensive system, the way they run it. And that just tells me all I need to know, like, is that. And then here's the last part of this, right? Even if we, we are able to trade, make a trade, right? We, we bring back uh, Sabonis or, or Grant, the two players linked to us. Some of the guys who haven't played or who, you know, got six minutes and then never went back in the game, they'll stay here. Mm-hmm. They're not like you don't get to treat someone like that and then get players and then help, and then expect those players to buy in. Like, that's just not how it works. And I don't care uh, what type of money you're talking about. It can be six figures, seven figures, eight figures. You get mistreated, treated like you're you're nothing but a commodity. You're going to feel some type of way. Mm-hmm. So if Rui survives the trade deadline, I mean, not Rui, if Denny survives the trade deadline, Aaron Holiday survives it, uh, Trezel survives it, Gaffer survives it, whoever, they're going to feel some type of way based on the past week plus. Bertans, he clearly feels some type of way. And then I'm not, um, you know, it's hard for me. You know how I feel about the Baltic bus, but – even him, like, yo, I'm struggling. I'm a shooter, though. And as you know, as a shooter, you need to keep shooting. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the only way. That's the only way we're going to get value out of him if he keeps shooting. But then you're going to DMP, DMP me? Not have me playing, like, minutes? Like, I'm, he's going to check out. And we know he's not the most mentally uh, struck, tough guy. He quit last year in the playoffs. So he's going to check out. And that's, that's the bad thing. And I don't see it getting better. I, I see – a coach system who majority of the players don't like. Um, only like Trezel, you can say he's having a successful year, but he feel like he can do more. Bill is on a decline, but last ten games has been like all NBA level. I, I saw your article about that. Kuzma's playing like at an All Star level, so maybe two out of the th- two out of three players are are doing well despite this. The rest aren't really feeling it, and you need those players and. Um, it's cliche to say you lost the locker room. And I don't think, like, uh, he's lost the locker room quite yet. But I wouldn't be surprised, like, uh, after we get through this murderer's row, if, if these players, they want to squat, they want uh, to throw hands with him, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, mm-hmm. that's the area we live in. Coaches can get it, too. Coaches can get it, too. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Here's the thing. I think the Unsell has some, some tough decisions because there are going to be some guys that he's going to have to hurt their feelings. Um, when they cut down to a nine-man rotation, even just cutting to nine, um, I think they need to go even further if they want to make the playoffs. Um, if they want to have a shot at making the playoffs, I think they need to go down to like eight with maybe the ninth getting, you know, five minutes here and there. And when he does that, <laughs> if he does that, there are going to be some guys who will sit. And so that's going to mean probably like Davis Bertans being just out of the rotation. 
unless you're, you know, you're get, you have garbage time or somebody gets hurt or somebody yeah. commits foul, you know, gets into foul trouble and then you need something, need a body, you know, you're going to have probably, you know, it's going, you, you need to probably cut the center rotation down to two. Um, and so that's going to be either Gafford or Bryant or, you know, so one of those three is going to have, is going to get their feelings hurt. You know, you, you have um, at power forward. I mean, they've got so many guys there that they're, you know, there are going to be guys who are, who are going to be upset. I mean, probably yeah. going to end up sitting either Avdia or Kispert or perhaps, well, you wouldn't sit both, but probably one of the two, assuming no trades, of course, that somebody is going to have their feelings. And uh, so, and the coach is going to have to do that. And that's going to be a challenge to communicate that with, um, with those guys, because, you know, the reality is, it's like most players will, tend to be more productive when they sort of get a little bit of extended playing time Yeah, you know, they get, they get opportunities to sort of get into the rhythm and the flow of the game. If you're going in for three minutes here, three minutes there, it's a little more challenging to, to, to be ready and to be able to make an immediate impact. Right. Yeah. Um, whereas if you're playing a six to eight minute stretch, that, that's a, that's a more substantial time when you can sort of, like I said, get into the flow of the game. And, and yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. Like he he has tough. I, I don't think uh Ted will will get rid of him. Um this past but if if I was uh me sitting in, in GM from the couch role, I would have been got rid of him. Yeah. I like again, it sucks, right? Cause like I, I hate I really hate folks who who clamor for folks like people to get fired. Like I remember as early as um 2011 when Twitter was a wild place and people started with that Twitter, do your thing because someone said something that they don't agree with. They got offended by someone who they don't know. Um, they will go to the employer, try to find this person employer. You are hiring this or this person. This is what you represent. And companies, you know, they capitulated. They start firing people, even though that person doesn't buy any, asset from you they can't really hurt you it's just the the bad press so I, i'm conscious of that i think it's very slippery slope someone could you know i could say something on here and people call my employer oh fire him like it's, it's yeah. very bad right but in terms of basketball it's different at least like if he gets canned if he gets the axe um he He's gonna get paid. Like so getting a sack in the NBA isn't like that 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 damaging, right? John Thompson used to say that he he wanted to be he wanted to get hired as an NBA coach. And and his his deal was that he wanted to get hired so that they would fire him like in the first five games or something, so that he could collect all the money and not have to uh, do the travel and do all the work. Yeah. yeah, so like you collect the money. So if you get the sack, if you get the sack, uh you you collect the money. So here's the thing, right? Like my whole thing is um NBA, I look at it, it's it's business entertainment. You're you're in a you know, you're an entertainment business and um coaches an NBA and international foot footy have some of the toughest jobs, right? Because the team is stacked. These are always some of the best players in the world. It's not like football, you can you know, you can get a walk on who overplays and say, hey, I could use you. We can we can use your body because they break down faster. Mm-hmm. You know, they break down faster. So it's different over there. But here um, it's all about managing egos. 
Well, and then one of the other things too with like football, like like you American football, I'm talking about, is that everybody comes up used to playing their role pretty much. I mean, if you're yeah, an offensive yeah. lineman in high school, you're going to be an offensive lineman. You're used to playing uh, that in that role, right? Yeah. And so it's not like if you're an offensive lineman, you're going to suddenly stand up and say, you know. I really should have been a tailback this whole time, uh, you know, a running back. Yeah, and you're, you're six foot three hundred pounds, right? No, Joe Jacoby was never going to be a running back or a wide receiver or, you know, whatever. And but in basketball, you can be a seven footer, right? And you can be, um, uh, you know, the Irvin Johnson. Remember him back in the day? The just the total, well, not total stiff, but just kind of a guy, you know, a backup journeyman role player. Or you could be Joel Embiid, right? You can be, you can be, you can be six ten, and you can be Daniel Gafford, and you can be six ten and be Kevin Durant, right? And so, you know, you have different, completely different roles based on your abilities, based on you know how much work you put into your game, how you develop as a player, what role you, you you've been slotted into at a at a young age, all this kind of stuff. I mean, so. It's it's just such a completely different thing. And, and most sports, soccer is a is a diff, is a different one. Uh, you know, foot, football, footy, as you say. But that's a that's a little different, and it's a little more like basketball because you know if you're a midfielder, you could be a defensive mid, you could be an offensive guy, you could be a passer, you could score. You know, there's a lot of different. No, there's still for- roles. Like in, in in international footy, there are roles, but nevertheless, it's still about like managing managing the locker because even yeah. like you got three forwards they all want to score you got three yeah. midfielders they all want to be on the ball creating so it's about deriving this like creating a devising a system that yeah. allows your players to play naturally freely creatively mm-hmm. what they are so most coaches great tacticians they set their players and their teams up to to like utilize all of the skill set of the starting 11 yeah. in basketball you don't really see teams set up to utilize the skill set of the like all five players on the court. You ask certain players, "Hey, go stick and stay in the corner. We need you for spacing." And that's cool. That's cool to an certain extent. Like I get it. You need if we are you know too jumbled up, nothing can get done, right? We'll we'll take it back to that slug it out mid '90s type basketball style, which some older folks clamor for. Some of those younger folks will be surprised that, whoa, this is what Jordan had to go through. That's what, how, how we'll look at it. But nevertheless, it's still it's in, imperative for the coach to derive a system, the, to devise a system that allows these five players to, to do what they can do. Like, I get it. Every single play, Kuzma can't have the ball. Trezel can't have the ball. Gaffer can't have the ball. But that's what you're there for. Like that's what you're there for. Like if you know if you've seen Trezzle, you know how his personality is, you know his game. Mm-hmm. You haven't seen him touch the rock in like five possessions. The rise of play, I I don't know. He now has the uh the commercials with Greenberg and Betterman. Call it Trezzle and Betterman or something like that. Like let's run Trezzle and Betterman. Uh KCP. Uh oh, he he might go do too much. I need to get him a shot. Let's run, you know, let's run a set for him. Uh Rui, okay, you want that mid-range, let's get you a screen. We do it for Davis. Mm-hmm. We do it for Davis. He's not like he's him. He's the one player who, if he's going to get the ball, we have to run something, get him a screen, set him up for it. You tell me you can't do it for other players. Well, again, they do. They do. But I, I, I hear what nah, you're saying. Man. We're going to, we're going to, we be, um, we be, fr- we be willy nilly out there, man. 
Yeah, well, we're we're coming up on um, almost an hour now, so um, let's uh, go ahead and, and and wrap up. You know, if you've got any parting shots, I think what you just said. Parting shots. I I want to say this. I don't think Unsol coming back will do anything. Um, and I am now of the belief that this season will be an ultimate disaster. I think we lose Bill. I think we finish about 10 games on the 500. And I think uh, there's a cold winter coming. Get prepared <laughs> for the losses. The thing is, I, I do respect the team because with anything mid, like mediocre isn't a bad thing. It means neither good, neither bad. Mm-hmm. Like that. that's that's the whole meaning of mediocre. Like, so we won't be a good team, but we won't be a purely bad team. We'll lose a lot. But the games will be close and close enough to always force us to buy buy some beer or buy a ticket, buy a bottle of wine, and waste two and a half hours of getting our hopes up high just to have our souls snatched yeah. at the last minute. So, and, yeah. All right. So my, I'm going to close with um, I, I agree with some of that in the sense that they're definitely like a mediocre team. Um, I think Unsell – that he he will he's going to stick around. Uh, they're not. Um, him. I hope not. They're they're not going to get rid of him. He's going to get. I mean, if they stuck with Scott Brooks for five the full five, they'll they'll stick. That's with a him. better coach. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I, I also don't think the Wizards are going to be end up ten under five hundred. I think that they're going to end up about 38, 39 wins, and um, you know, right where I predicted them to start the season. So uh, we'll see. Vegas, of course, had him at thirty four which would be, you know, more like that uh, 10 under. So um, at any rate, we're going to go ahead and wrap up there. And we'll be back in a few days with a, uh, another episode of the Social Podcast.